welcome back. We're back. We're back. Powerful Nonsense, the podcast. Episode number 21. And as promised, when we did an interview a couple of weeks ago with English Monroe, we have another one. Except this time, we've doubled up. Double up. Yes. So, we will be interviewing Marnes Denton and Kyle Eschenroder. I think I've pronounced that right. Apologies, Kyle, if I have butchered your name. The original plan was actually just for us to talk to uh, Marnes. Um, we'll be talking about... Um, kind of hacking your mind and hacking uh, your lifestyle. Uh, but Marns is from uh, The Hacked Mind. Uh, if you Google The Hacked Mind, you'll, you'll find them. Um, and Kyle Eschenroder, who was just happened to be around when Marns was going to be recording the interview with us, uh, who is from the Startup Bros, uh, he kindly offered to step in um, and, and kind of wasn't really a step in, more of a a team up, a tag team. Effort. Yes, yes. Step in mean implies that Mans is Mans had to pull out because yeah. of injury, but no, Mans no. was there. So Kyle was there, and we had a had a decent conversation. Yeah, very very good. In fact, I'm I'm actually very happy that that Carl did kind of join in as well because um, as as Kyle and Mans would admit, as you will hear in the interview, uh, Mans is very technically minded, very Scientific. very science driven, and Kyle openly admits not so much <laughs> so it's really nice just to kind of get uh, a, a balanced view from Kyle well, not a balanced view but a, a more layman's term view uh, from Kyle to talk to the not so technical because biohacking is very much your sort of thing as well mm-hmm. Gem, and, and not so much mine so I understood more where Kyle was coming from than where Marnes was coming from but it's, <laughs> it's, but it's both uh, from both sides very very good stuff um, and also it kind of goes beyond uh, bio and life hacking near the end as well of the interview and, and kind of gets a good nice overview of got, it got a bit deep towards the end yeah really mindful mindfulness in the digital modern economy which is what this podcast is all about um, anyway so, enough of us yes without further ado Marns Denton and Kyle Eschenroder yeah I guess if you want to start off by um yeah, just introducing both yourselves. That'd be great. Mons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm Mons, and uh, I run. God, I run way too many things now. <laughs> I run the the Hacked Mind, which is a blog about biohacking and basically finding different methods of improving your cognition or even just your physical capabilities to to op- optimize your life in general. And then I, I kind of dovetail that blog with a nootropics site. And nootropics are brain-enhancing chemicals, oftentimes as simple as like fish oil or caffeine. But there's a lot of uh, you know more experimental and new age kind of nootropics as well that are starting to really take off. And those are the two big projects that I'm working on right now. Cool. And yourself, Kyle? Um, yeah, I'm uh, Kyle Eschenroder with StartupBros.com. We kickstart first-time entrepreneurs. We're most well-known now for our coaching with creating importing businesses. Cool. And so today we're going to be talking a lot about um, sort of hacking the mind. As that's that's what we had planned. So um, to be honest, in the UK we don't really talk too much about like new tropics. I was saying to Wayne how we don't. I don't know whether it's more of an American thing, but um, if you could sort of 
maybe go into a little bit more about about nootropics and like um what are they actually used for why do people get involved with those so nootropics are in general terms cognitive enhancing drugs or even just supplements that occur naturally that can improve a number of things like memory, focus, attention, and even clarity and, and creativity if you get the right kinds. In, in a lot of senses, uh, they can be very easy to get. Caffeine is a nootropic that many people are really familiar with. And fish oil is another great one that you know I re- recommend people take on a daily basis. But there are a lot more experimental options as well that are called like phenylparacetam and coliracetam. And so nootropics is a very, very general term that encompasses any kind of enhancement to your brain functioning, whether that be, like I said, memory or uh, focus and attention. I saw in your blog you said how um, I mean in the story in the story part you said how you had no job you had no degree you was living up with your parents and you was traumatized. Does for any reason does that have a connection with the reason why you started hacking your brain? <laughs> yes, I think I think one of the biggest things that I realized in that situation was I was kind of it was on me to be successful. And, and so I took that responsibility and, and the responsibility to be successful and not try and find a job or something is what really brought me in touch with Kyle, but that it did give me a sense that it was, it was up to me to figure out what was going to be best for my brain and, and, and therefore help me in business. And so when I, when I first started the whole biohacking, it started with just diet And it started with cold showers and it started with a lot of things that anybody can do without making any purchases. They're just kind of lifestyle changes. And they were definitely all based around improving my business and just my brain function in general. But they have, as you now know, kind of turned into my businesses themselves. And what about yourself, Carl? Do you get involved with any nootropics? <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm deeply involved in an experimental uh, nootropic as we speak. Um, okay. <laughs> What's that one? Will I get in trouble? No. Uh, okay, cool. So I'm actually taking some of Mon's uh, phenylparacetam right now um, with a Red Bull, of course. So... Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I've actually I've been using using some of Monza's supplements on and off for like what year now since since you really started like selling them, and they've been really fun because I used to like like messing around with Adderall and um, some of the, the harder things, but they they're not sustainable and they're not always uh, especially useful. Um, but but these new tropics are. I've used them to like write books in half the time that I thought I would be able to. I've been able to do like marathon running. Like, like we use these. So at Starter Bros, we regularly do like four-hour webinars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just draining. You get tired in your brain. So we use them. <laughs> both Will and I use them every time. That's my partner at Startup Bros. Um, yeah, and they, they keep us going. We stay sharp up until the end. So, what is the uh, the new tropic that you're experimenting with now? What's that supposed to do for you? So, okay, I'll give you the very unscientific version of just, like, <laughs> experiencing, and then Mons will tell you like what's actually going down <laughs> under the bonnet. 
so so uh, it, for for me, it's phenylparacetam, and it's a more hardcore version, as I understand, of a lesser intense paracetam. Um, and for me, it gives me energy, clarity, focus, and a slight like mood booster. But and so in a lot of ways, it's similar to an Adderall or something like that. But it doesn't uh, it doesn't push you to the jittery point. So you get all of the benefits where they, it's actually effective without going overboard and destroying your biological system. Like my body, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in this thing for the long term, you know. <laughs> so so I, I really appreciate that I can I can use these things as tools uh, a couple times a week without without crashing like I would if I was playing with pharmaceuticals. Yeah, definitely. That's what, um, like you were saying there, Mans, before you were saying about like lifestyle, I think these are sort of things that may be like a, an additional tweak, but there's probably like a lot of things that people are sort of missing out on a day-to-day in the basics that are kind of going to improve all these aspects of focus, creativity. What, what have you sort of seen? I mean, when you said you were starting out, you said, oh, I'll just start with the cold showers. What are those sort of um, quick win things people can do? So one of the quick wins that I have... I, I found, I loved, I used, and then I kind of got out of until recently was intermittent fasting. And, and, I, and Kyle actually does this as well now. And we, the reason intermittent fasting for me has been so great is, uh, is because I really think when the body is not focused on digesting food, it has, it has you know, twice as much energy to be focused on whatever work that you're you're trying to do and so i routinely uh i try and wake up at six every morning and get to work and it's just it's it's so much more convenient for me not to eat until you know noon or or 2 p.m or so and it also makes me focus a lot better which is kind of paradoxical because a lot of people kind of equate this eating with energy um and I will say this, for any of your listeners that do want to try this, it's going to take three weeks before you really get used to it because your body, it derives the hunger response from a hormone called ghrelin. And ghrelin is, uh, studies show ghrelin is actually based on a circadian rhythm, which means that every day when, when your body is used to getting food, it'll start releasing this, uh, this hormone and then this hormone makes you hungry. So about three weeks, your body stops expecting food and then it becomes a lot easier. So, you know, once you can break out of those three weeks, you'll be good. So is it like a daily fast that you do then? So from, from, as you say, six till 12 daily. Yeah, typically I I only it's it's easier to look at at the day from the period of time that you eat food. So there's what's called a fasting window and then a feeding window. And the feeding window is just that small period of time where you actually eat uh, meals. And most of my uh, window that I don't eat anything is in the morning, but there's also some in night and then while I sleep, obviously, that I don't eat. So it, it really, it's going to depend on your goals. If you're, if you're looking to really lose fat and, you know, make, make it as most convenient as possible, you can basically eat one meal a day and that would be considered like a, a 23 hour fasting window and a one hour feeding window. Or you can broaden it to, you know, eating for four hours a day, two meals, or up to eight hours is typically the, the, 
the thing that people who want to gain strength in the gym like to use for the best benefits of both. And uh, to make this easier and to make that ghrelin period uh, a little bit less painful, I used artichoke extract paired with some BCAAs and just cop black coffee. Um, and I was told that that does not interfere with the fast itself, but it helps uh, relieve some of the hunger pains. Yeah, because I, I do fast. I try to do maybe once a week and I do the um, the bulletproof one. So I love the coffee with the butter and the MCT oil. And I know he says that that doesn't affect with the fasting. So mm-hmm. so, so, so let me... Let me um, so with fasting, there's a lot of benefits and a wide range of things. With, when it comes to anti-aging and when it comes to cellular function, he's right. It doesn't break the fast. Um, but there are some aspects that any calories over like 10 calories will, will break the fast. So there's some, uh-huh. so some things you will, you will be getting plenty of the benefits because you're maintaining like fat only and it's, you know, it's more <laughs> ketogenic. Um, but in other instances you, you could kind of be losing out as well. Uh, it just depends on what your goals are. And I know you love doing, you know, powerlifting in the gym and everything like that. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's probably, uh, you're probably getting the best of both worlds. And I also, I mean, I would add, I think they're just as good as like physiological benefits in fasting. There are huge benefits in feeling hunger and then relieving that hunger. Like, so if you're fasting, you're going to be eating the best meals you've ever had every time you break a fast. Um, and you just build willpower by feeling that hunger and saying, no, I'm not going to eat. I'm working. Um, so yeah, there's, there's all sorts of benefits. So one thing I want to ask is, because um, when I was younger, not so much now, but I used to always skip breakfast. So I never really enjoyed breakfasty foods and things like that. And I'd always get told by people, yeah, but breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And so you're essentially suggesting that, that it's not. <laughs> um, so what would you say to people that would say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day? Well, I would say this. Breakfast is definitely the most important meal of the day. It just depends on when you do it. You know, look at the name of breakfast. You're breaking your fast. Basically, it's so important because it's the meal where you've had the longest time to fast beforehand because people don't eat overnight. And so that's about the eight hours where they don't eat and then they have their first meal. And their first meal that they eat is the most important to make sure you're getting the right kind of nutrients. Um, It's very important to make sure that first meal is uh is good it has a number of uh, you know starchy carbohydrates in, in in low quantities and then mostly you know protein and and the healthy fats and things of that nature but it's important because of where your insulin sensitivity is and so what i would say to that is you are still having your breakfast you're just breaking it later and you can pay just as close attention to what you're eating in the morning to make sure that the the insulin response is healthy and you can maintain it for a long time. I am so glad you said that because that used to be obviously not quite so scientific as, as that, but my argument always used to be, well, my first meal is breakfast, so... <laughs> There's also, I mean, most of human history, like, people had to work hard for their first meal. 
Like you didn't wake up and there's a pantry full of food. Um, so I don't know if you guys buy the uh, evolution arguments, but there's also a great story to be told about people working really hard. Like you have to go hunt <laughs> before you can <laughs> them, you know? That's a really good point. Buns, one of your um, most popular uh, blogs on your website is about your um, about the, the showering. Your, the, is it the cold showers? I was just wondering yeah. whether you could yeah give us some sort of um, advice on that as well because I know that has some great benefits. Yeah, so for Kyle and I, I think it's a little bit easier. I live in Texas and he's in Florida, so <laughs> yeah. it uh, it tends to be actually kind of refreshing, especially during the summer. But in general, uh, it's it's a great practice for people to use. Uh, some of the the, the main benefits are, are uh, brown adipose tissue activation. And this, uh, this specific kind of fat, it, it only activates with cold exposure. And that could be cold outside. It could be cold uh, with an ice pack. And it, and it can be cold with, with cold showers. And so that's one of, the, one of the big things that I didn't even mention it on this post. But, but that, that was uh, kind of a hidden but new scientific find that, that it really helps to improve the, the type of fat that you have. But on a more basic level, it, it does a very good job of, of regulating hormones and, and blood flow. So those are the two things that I really harp on. And the hormone improvements come with testosterone and um, as well as adrenaline. And it can, it can reduce cortisol if, done in, you know, if, if you don't do it in extreme, extreme uh, lengths. And so for, for the hormone benefits, I, I love it. I feel great when I do it. That kind of invigorating feeling often comes from the adrenaline. And then on the other side, there's the, the benefits that come with, um, with having – well, I mentioned this in the post. The, the, the biggest benefit is really you're putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. I think we can all, no matter how much biohacking, mm-hmm. no matter how much biohacking we're involved with, we can all relate to – to being uncomfortable and and how beneficial it is to kind of have that experience outside of 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 the workplace or whatever the case may be. So so you know taking cold showers is going to it's going to make you feel a lot more uncomfortable but but back to those main scientific points the the blood the blood flow I was telling Kyle earlier it's it's really important to have blood going from the organs to the extremities rapidly because it improves the ability for your body to flow blood around for the rest of the time when you're not in a cold shower. So when you do a cold shower, the, the cold water makes your body respond by bringing all the blood to the organs or as much as possible to the organs so that you can protect them. And typically when it goes back out to the extremities, it's carrying a lot more nutrients and it it tends to allow you to have better blood flow in the rest of your daily life as well so that's kind of a long-winded answer um with, with, <laughs> with, with so, a lot of science <laughs> yeah I, dude, this is fun i love being the barbell to your scientific <laughs> it, it's good for me as well because i'm, I'm biohacking is gems thing more than it is mine <laughs> yeah, so, i mean uh so like cold showers are one of the many things that i've taken up just because mons gave me a long scientific explanation of why i should uh, okay <laughs> i believe you um so actually uh i went through a very severe bout of depression about a year ago and 
uh, cold showers were one of the most effective things for snapping me out of it. Um, and it's probably partly biological, but also partly that you're doing something really hard, but simple. Um, like it's really, it's a powerful statement to yourself that you're willing to put yourself through this discomfort for your, uh, long-term well-being. Um, and I think, yeah, you mentioned that like so much of humanity and being a human is aiming at comfort that we forget that, uh, we grow most from discomfort. Um, so yeah, these like little acts of rebellion against comfort are really powerful. Definitely. Another thing I wanted to talk about a lot is because obviously with entrepreneurship, a lot of people sort of like, uh, sleep is for those who are broke. You hear all these sort of, uh, sleeping entrepreneurs don't sleep. And I think it's such an important area that people really need to kind of get on top of. Like, what's your thoughts on that, Mans? So I think sleep is, is really important. I, I make sure that I, I, I get around seven and a half hours or so every, every night. So a lot of people that are in entrepreneurship would say that's too much. But, you know, for people, I, I think one of the, the, the caveats to keep in mind is, is everyone's different. And I know, I know an entrepreneur who's much older, he's in his, he's in his 40s, and he, can, he cannot sleep past four hours. Um, and so it works to his advantage. He gets, he gets like four hours of sleep a night. And he's able to wake up early and get to work. Whether his body's just used to it, um, I'm not sure. But I think one of the things that entrepreneurs really, really need to focus on if they just can't prioritize sleep is sleep quality. And sleep quality can, can come from a number of things, one of which just going to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time every day. When you when you get those circadian rhythms or when you get the when you get the rhythm of sleeping every day, you're you're changing your hormone levels at that time every day. Your body knows to produce a certain hormone called melatonin and that is one of the the best ways for you to maintain a good sleep quality if you can't get a lot of sleep. And there are also a bunch of nootropics as well that can help that that you that you know these are not things that are extreme in any sense. There's um, something it's called lemon balm. Lemon balm is a it's a plant in the Mediterranean and you can actually grow the plant yourself and just eat the leaves you know, at, at night before you go to sleep or you can make tea with it. Um, there's no purchase necessary. Just, just get some, get some of the of nature's bounty and, and use that and it'll help improve your sleep quality a lot. What it does is, um, there's a neurotransmitter in your brain called GABA, which is, which is one of the most important neurotransmitters for, for relaxation and sleep. And lemon balm, helps to improve GABA in the brain, essentially. And, and, and therefore, when you do sleep, you get better quality, and the next morning you wake up more refreshed. So for entrepreneurs, just, just focus on sleep quality if you don't want to prioritize sleep, but, but you have to consider what's best for you, and, and you cannot be looking towards other people and trying to sleep six hours if your body really needs eight. Yeah, and you know, like the whole I don't want to sleep thing is all like 99% of people who say that are just trying to signal being busy and productive. I've met literally two entrepreneurs in my entire life that actually don't sleep because they're getting shit done. Like 
almost everybody else is just trying to look like a cool entrepreneur or busy. <laughs> like, get your priorities straight, you know? Like, there's not that many key things you need to do that day that you have to lose two hours of sleep. Or Anyway. And what would I'm you say about... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, what would you say about... Um in terms of actually the sleeping environment because obviously you talked about um preparation for sleep in terms of uh dietary and and supplements and things but what about the actual sleeping environment um and how you could alter that to get optimal sleep there's a few things that you can do uh to make sure you you get optimal sleep one of which is just make sure there's no lights in the room uh, a lot of times our computer monitors and these kinds of lights, they can, they can do more harm than we actually realize because some of these lights trigger changes in, in our biochemistry in terms of hormone production. I think if we go back to what I said with the, the sleep, sleeping at the same time and, and waking up at the same time, you can really mitigate a lot of the problems that come with uh, with with like light because your body's kind of in sleep mode, but it's still nice to to make sure there's no lights on in your room. Kind of try and make sure it's a cooler environment. You don't you don't always need to be completely wrapped up because because the cold is well a colder environment than what most people are used to is actually ideal for sleep quality. So. Uh, I like to leave the covers on, but you know, keep keep a, a thin sheet when you when you put covers on. You don't have to really you know wrap yourself up in all kinds of quilts and stuff. I've been experimenting with the um, blue filter glasses before bed, like just at night time. So I just put on the. I don't know if you know much. Do you know much about those? Mark? Yeah. So so they uh, they prevent a certain type of rays from from you know your skin and, or your eyes mainly and, and that has an impact on the, the brain neurochemistry. So those are, those are I tried those as well and I think a lot of people see benefits from them. It, it's, it's uh, I hate to harp on this, but a lot of it is individualistic. So mm -hmm. some people that I know, they really, at 8 o'clock p.m., they have to shut everything down. They cannot think about work. They cannot have other people over and visiting with them. They have to really kind of spend a couple of hours reading and generally winding down before they go to bed. And that's something that I think everybody could benefit from, even if you don't have problems, uh, you know, just going from working on the computer to going to sleep. It it would it is nice to give your body kind of an opportunity to to get into that that relaxation mode by by maybe reading a book for for 10 15 minutes before you go to bed and uh and and just you know staying away from electronics for a few minutes before going to bed it are probably you know some of the the best simple ways of of getting that you know getting a better sleep quality cool another thing uh, me and Wayne been interested we've been having a lot of conversations on at the moment is this whole idea of um quantified self and how how do you see, I mean we've Beats being bought by Apple. How do you see sort of like wearable technology maybe helping out entrepreneurs in the future? And are you guys uh, sort of tracking lots of things yourselves? Yeah, I, I, I track a lot of things. I probably track less than I used to because there's a there's for me and actually for Kyle as well. There's there's a very interesting dichotomy between 
the the quantified self and and the subjective kind of understanding of yourself and and we both do meditation it sounds like you guys both do too so there's something very interesting about seeing data and seeing how it may suggest one thing but your your personal feeling suggests another and i'm i'm as strange as it sounds for someone who runs a blog called the hacked mind and who's interested in biohacking I'm somewhat moving away in some cases from the technology um, just because I, I, I'm trying to listen to my body more because, you know, like, like I said, everybody's individualistic. And if you start looking at some of the, the, the N equals one studies that other people are doing it, uh, it, and you try to apply that to your life, it could be really risky. But that, that being said, uh, technology is making it infinitely easier to focus on yourself. So no longer do you really have to get all of your information, you know, you know, there's kind of tiers of information it seems like. First would be just Huffington Post health articles, you know, getting getting information <laughs> from there is just um, you know, it's not the worst thing you could do, but it it there's there's it's close. There there's <laughs> There, there are definitely better resources, you know, and then and 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 so going to you know going to the NCBI, the the national um, database for for all the studies that are being done. That's a that's kind of another tier that you can look at. But but at the end of the day, these are studies of other people, of rats, of you know, do God knows how they did it. So technology is kind of putting it in everyone's hands, and. They can do it themselves, and they can figure out what works best for themselves. And and I actually I worked with a buddy to develop an app. It's called New Tracker and Tracker dot com, and it's just a web app. It's totally free, but it helps everybody to to basically test what nootropics are helping them, or or even they can even use bulletproof coffee. They can test any of those things to see like what's helping them. And and uh, and what we've done is I've really added, like I said, that subjective component, so they can actually test their their scores, like dual and back or whatever, to see if they if they have a quantified advantage. But there's also a subjective portion. I think maintaining that subjective mentality, like do how how is my mood today, and how and and how do I feel, um, am I lethargic? Those kinds of questions. It's it's definitely a balance that has to come with with all this technology. But in general, the technology is making it so much easier for everybody to just do the studies on themselves rather than try and you know look elsewhere for information. And what's your view, Carl? So um, I actually I'm committed to a non-optimized life because I think that. Uh, for me, the, the most important things in life uh, can, it, it get destroyed if you aim straight at them. So, like, my happiness drops as soon as I start measuring my happiness. My uh, purpose and my, my feeling of, of meaningfulness in my work and life drops dramatically once I start to wrap that up in, like, a little package. Um, the same thing with, like, relationships. You know, so, so um I don't want to try to m maximize things in my life, so I measure very little of it. Um, <laughs> I know this is, this is so, so my favorite essay ever, and the closest thing I've ever gotten to like a religious text really hitting home 
is uh, is Ralph Waldo Emerson's self reliance, and and it, it and so it's just it's about respecting yourself. Like you are not a data point. I mean, you might be a data point to somebody else, but not for you in your life. Um, just because something's boosting creativity for somebody else, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So my my like my tactic, I guess, my, the, the only way, like I meditate to uh, witness my own thinking um, and to, to find the answers that are personal to me. Um, and so I do the same thing with like nootropics. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I can't measure exactly how much I'm going to take, but I know I'm not going to take it every day because that's, that's messes my brain up, but I'm going to take it like every other day, like, you know, 30 minutes before I want to have like a four or five hour writing session. Um, so, so I think, I think like my biggest, uh, you know, hack for this is just self-respect and, and understanding that you are actually an individual, like <laughs> Mansell said, um, and that, that, that like scientists don't know more about you than, than you do, um, in the ways that matter. So, so maybe there's, you know, they, they, they can measure something different, um, and maybe you're not conscious of it. So, so you, you have to respect your subconscious. Some, cause sometimes I think about it as well. And I was, I, I was saying to Mans in our first conversation is sometimes a lot of it could actually be like a placebo effect. If you're taking this coffee, that's supposedly going to make you work harder or you're going to take this pill and it's going to make you more creative. Sometimes I find it's actually, are you sort of just outsourcing the permission to yourself really like allowing yourself to just, well, if, if I take this, if I take this pill, I'm going to be a better writer. I'm going to write more consistently. How much of you think of it is actually comes through that? But actually, I was just reading a study yesterday. Oh, and this, like, of course, I was reading a study yesterday. But uh, it was about people, lucky people have luck charms. So people that actually have lucky charms uh, report being more lucky. Um, and, and so this is like placebo, not just in like biologically changing your world, but, but how you act in the world, you act like a more lucky person. Lucky people have more opportunities, but we all like, we're all exposed to opportunities, but some people see them more. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I do think, uh, asking, okay, so I'm a big fan of Taleb. I know I'm all over the place here, but in his book, anti-fragile, he sums up this entire idea by saying, I want to be able to do what I cannot explain. I don't want, I don't care about explaining what I cannot do. Um, so I think our culture, society, and this obsession with, uh, with, with science puts a emphasis on justifying your life that is, is very hurtful to a lot of people, I think. So, um, the goal is not to live the most, uh, beautiful life uh, like check uh, by checking off boxes and stuff right like you want to be you want to be able to do things that look magical and and not be able to explain them so so yeah a big a big part of my life is like pushing against explaining my actions to other people and that includes like maybe being irrational in some ways like having practices or rituals that that aren't scientifically sound, but but do work. So that might be a long-winded answer for no, no, really great answer. a short answer. Yeah, it's um, a lot of times. I, I, I've talked with my mom about this. Um, 
I think naivete can be a huge advantage when it comes to entrepreneurship, when it comes to, you know, being successful at anything. If you if you're kind of gullible and, and you and you kinda of allow that that effect to, to take hold of you, it can be extremely powerful. But but yeah, I mean the placebo effect is it's obviously absolutely real according to many different studies in and sometimes that 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 irrational uh, belief is is so important to to doing anything worthwhile and and I have it I have it so often where where the placebo effect is it helps me but you know even even within the nootropics themselves there's there's kind of you know, one of the things that people look for when they look for nootropics is is performance enhancers, right? So they want to be able to take this and get a better grade on this, and and oftentimes they do get a better grade, but but if you actually look at the the studies on why their performance is enhanced, it's not even always a biochemical reason. They, they have less anxiety, and so they perform better, and so even things that have been used for thousands of years this is this is i'm talking about asian ginseng which is a an ancient chinese you know medicine they they utilize the placebo effect in essence uh, in order to to improve performance so I, I i you know if you if you think too much about it is this placebo effect is this not um you're, you're probably asking for for less assistance from that otherworldly power but if you do like Kyle says and just don't try and explain it or understand it and just use it to your advantage then you'll you'll be far better off how how do you think then you spoke about like naivety how do you think um like entrepreneurs themselves because obviously when you're growing up you're kind of going to get all these fears around it how do you kind of can you hack yourself to become naive again to be more open to things or are there any ways that you've sort of because i mean I was thinking about like the people you get on your podcast, but wow, they're amazing guests. Like, but most people are already, you're, you're being naive enough to actually reach out to those people that I would maybe myself would consider, oh no, they wouldn't want to talk to me. How do you sort of like, how would you say, like, how could you hack that? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think, uh, I think exploring your ego is probably one of the best ways that I've done that can, that has helped me in that sense, because a lot of times sorry just to be clear you're advocating psychedelics (laughs) (laughs) I will go on the record very much very much in favor of psychedelics but I I, you know specifically talking about like meditative practices they've kind of helped me to to step back from from why I why I would you know, fear certain things and, and rationalities that I thought that I had that were more society based, um, you know, based or so around social conditioning or what have you. And so by, by exploring your own ego and, and what kind of makes you tick, you realize a lot of what, what makes you tick is, uh, is society and how, and, and how they've kind of conformed you. Um, and, and, and that sounds so cliche and almost really negative, but it's not only, it's not really negative. It's just, it's the truth that, that culture often can, can shape an individual. And if you step back and realize how culture is shaping you, then it's a lot easier to, to kind of start over again. So in, in essence, you, you start as a kid, kind of, uh, that I think, uh, it was, uh, was it, it was Locke, 
that had the tabula raso, and uh, and he mentioned how you're kind of a blank slate when when you're born, and 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 society kind of fills up that slate, but when you examine that ego, you kind of go back to your blank slate, and I and I think that's one of the best things that's helped me, is. Uh, I, I, I still have plenty of ego that I've got to work on. Kyle knows better than anyone, but <laughs> but when it comes to you know asking these guests, I just I have a different perspective than I would have had um, beforehand for sure. And what about yourself, Kyle? How do you have do you, do you have an ego? <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys like this is actually that that question is one of um, my most. That's what I think about more than anything, and so I. I could talk way too much about it. Um, but I think like the, the quickest way, like the, the idea is to get connected to reality. So, so just forget, I mean, uh, make yourself forget that ego that, that stops by, by just doing the thing. So like if you're the, the way I get myself to take a cold shower is to just like distract myself by thinking of something else and then basically fall into the shower. <laughs> I don't, I don't look at it head on and say, okay, I'm going to go in and it's going to be cold. Every time I do that, it's really hard. But every time I can distract myself and just like get in, feel the shock, it's not like I'm going to run out of the shower. I'm just there now. Um, so, so I do the same thing when I push into other uncomfortable situations. Um, so, so uh, if, I'm, uh, if I'm contacting somebody, I want to write for their outlet or – or I want to do business with them, or I, if I want something from somebody, I contact them in an oblique way and say, like, so uh, let's talk about something. And I don't, I don't pitch them straight out because, and so like, I don't want to risk that rejection or whatever. Um, so I just do the thing. Um, there's also so that's one big way is just go obliquely, where I just take failure out of it because it's not, a, it's not. I change the goal. Um, and then my other trick is just to lower the bar significantly. Um, most of most of the greatest things that that happen in the world come from tinkering, like people just screwing around, trying things, failing. And uh, so so I lower the bar. I say, okay, I'm not I'm not going to write the grandest thing ever. I'm not going to, you know, th- this business might not be a billion dollar business. Actually. There's almost zero chance of this thing being a billion dollar business, but I'm going to try really hard at it uh, to do something like very small. Um, And so the effect of that is I try a ton of things and I fail a lot. So like my goal is not to fail, but through failure, I find humility and uh, and then that's where the ego gets like dissipates because I'm now attached to reality. Okay, this is just what's happening. Um, it, so, so, so when y- you just have to, you just have to try things, man. Like, really, <laughs> you just have to screw up so many times that it doesn't sting that bad next time you screw up. Um, I, yeah. I, I have to, I have to add when it when it comes to business stuff, like it, the, what he's saying, just really reminds me. Like, I very rarely read anything about business or business success or anything like mm-hmm. that. And I think that is one of the main reasons why I'm so naive is because I don't know how hard it is. I don't I don't know all these other, you know, stories above all odds that that you know that 
still didn't make it, you know, or these, you know, people that had all these advantages and still didn't make it. I don't, so when I don't know all this, I'm basically just ignorant. And, and, and so I can take action and, and hopefully, and I assume that I'm going to achieve it because I, I take action and I see, you know, the path to, to whatever I'm trying to achieve. And, uh, and sometimes I think reading and, and, and analyzing can actually get in that way. So I think that's one of the best ways to get back to naivete. Yeah. And no, okay. And that actually just this morning I was reading about Paul Graham. Okay. So I was reading an interview, which is, but he was talking about exactly like that, how he didn't, uh, he, he had this idea that he didn't like bloggers. So he started writing essays and, and his, his company via web, which totally, it was the first uh, web app based company ever. The only reason he did it was because he hated Microsoft. So he was like, like he just didn't want to write code for Microsoft. So he had to figure out a hack, like to get around it. Um, and so, so like his process wasn't based on like, okay, well, I've read that this person's doing this thing. It, it was just based on like, it, he was naive and that he was just doing things that uh, he was pushing against things he didn't want to do, right? So, so it was just pain avoidance, which is like what I was trying to connect that to naivety, but I don't know if it worked. <laughs> no, no, I think it's, I, I agree with you. I think it's a bit of a balance though, because I know we've like, when you listen to like, um, I know business people who have succeeded a lot, it kind of makes you feel like, okay, that's part of my reality. But I also think the more you go into it, then you start to, like you say, analyze everything too much to the point, actually, you've got more reason to question why it's not going to happen. So I think you have to have a bit of a, a healthy balance, really. Yeah, actually, um, the biggest practice that I, uh, that I promote when, when people are stuck and not taking action and uh, lack of action almost always comes from too much input. Like Mansell said, like if you're reading about business, like great business leaders all the time, and you're comparing yourself to them, it's gonna be really hard to take the step on this like you know t- tiny company that you're trying to build, um, just because it's like you know I'm never gonna be John D Rockefeller or whatever. So uh, the the best way to short circuit that uh, that voice in your head that's saying I can't do it, da 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 to me is you go a week with zero input, information input. So zero news, zero blogs, um, only like fundamentally important work emails, no music, no anything. So what happens is you're locked in your own mind and you begin to have a respect for your own life that you can't uh, achieve if you're constantly uh, reading other people's ideas and stuff. Um, and, and what happens is you just begin to take action naturally on your ideas. You begin to start tinkering um, and that overthinking just short circuits itself because you don't have any distractions to put it into. Yeah, I think so, I definitely need to do a bit of an information detox. Yeah, yeah. Me. I think once I start getting into the podcast and I have 10, 15 more subscribed and I've got hours and hours and it's like any downtime I have now, I find myself just listening to a podcast. I'm like, actually, can I just not sit by myself in quiet for a bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy effective, man. And it's it's so scary because um, with all this information that we're being fed, everything feels imperative. Like everybody says they have the key. Everybody said, you know, but... <laughs> But really, even this podcast right now is like, we're, this is one more input. It's going to change lives. But at the same time, those lives need to like 
take time to process this information in their own way and apply it to their own life. And if you skip that step, then you, you get completely frustrated. Um, Definitely. So we're going we're gonna to start wrapping up this uh, episode, but there's a question where we've just started this question, actually, because we've got you guests on. You're the, the first. You're the first we're going to test it out on. So the, the podcast is called Powerful Nonsense. So firstly, what's the most powerful piece of advice you've ever been given? And what's the biggest load of nonsense you've ever heard? Okay, I'll start off. Um, the most powerful piece of advice I've ever heard is... Uh, I saw, I saw, a, it was graffiti. You know, I, I never really had a great impre- uh, impression of these people that did graffiti, but after I saw this quote, it was pretty, pretty different. Um, I forgot exactly what the quote said, but it was basically like, comfort is death. And I've kind of tried to apply that in my life as much as possible. Every time I get a little too comfortable, every time I get a little too used to being comfortable, I recognize it's uh, that's a that's a that's a dangerous path to go down. It's a uh, it's one that's full of of not growing uh, stagnation. And so, um, as far as the nonsense is concerned, probably you can do anything you set your mind to. He <laughs> <laughs> went there. You've just completely destroyed the whole self help market. <laughs> Uh, I have to say that that's um, you know it's like and, and it's not it's not just that like if that that phrase you can put you can do anything you put your mind to is actually very very dangerous in a physical sense uh, what has happened in in the UK is probably with with soccer or football and here it's with you know American football but they they idolize these people that that can do all these great feats and they they. They don't tell any of the normal people that these people that these professionals are genetic freaks of nature. And if you try and work out as hard as they do, you're going to end up with so many injuries. You're going to end up uh, w- with pain the rest of your life and discomfort, and you're going to burn out and not be able to do um, you know more than like a year's worth of of this kind of activity. So. Taking the approach of of something that you can't be is just a recipe for disaster, um, you know. And there's definitely, like you said, there's a balance with everything. So you don't want to take it too far and just, you know, say that you can never, you, you don't have the confidence to be anything, um, you know, to aspire to be. But but there is definitely a balance because you, you can't be any everything. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself, Kyle? Okay, so. Um... Yeah, I, I really, I really like this question, uh, especially the nonsense part. I think because I think that's the most powerful and uh, useful. But so, so my best pieces of advice, um, I, I have to go two parts on this. The first is a line from Ralph Waldo Emerson's Self Reliance, and that is, uh, "Every man in his education must come to the realization that envy is ignorance." that imitation is suicide. So envy is ignorance, imitation is suicide. If you're being envious of somebody else, you are like just giving away your life. Like, uh, you know, we, as entrepreneurs, I'm sure we've all had the moment of looking at Richard Branson or, you know, Steve Jobs and being like, why, like, I want to be him. But no, you don't want to be him. You like, as soon as you try to be him, you give up away all your power to be like the person 
that you are and to build what you can build. Um, so I think that is that just having respect for your own life, the deep respect that your life is the one you should be living is uh, extremely powerful. Um, and then imitation is suicide. It's the same thing. Like if you're trying to be Richard Branson, you're just giving yourself away. Um, and then the other half of that is, and this goes along with that, is uh, Taleb, uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb quote that says, suckers try to win. Or no, I'm sorry, sorry. Suckers try to win arguments. Non-suckers try to win. So, and that goes back to the justified life. Like, I don't want to live a justified life. I don't want to be able to explain to people the things that I've done. I just want to do the most interesting things I can do. Um, so, so, and, and that's where, that's like signal, signaling you're somebody versus actually being that person. Um, and this is, this is a huge pitfall that people are falling into as so many of us are building personal brands online. Um, and, 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 you know, our, everybody is like a little celebrity now because you have to be in order to sell stuff online. Um, so, so, and celebrities, you know, traditional celebrities get therapists and stuff. Most internet celebrities can't afford that. <laughs> so, or, or like, or actually understand the, um, the pain, the emotional pain they're going through when they, you know, just try to justify everything. So that's, that, that's the other big one. And uh, the biggest piece of nonsense to me is this whole happiness thing. Um, and, that, and that goes back to like – and I'm not saying happiness is a bad thing. Not, I, uh, but but there's, this, there's this, this idea that that happiness should go before everything and that everybody should be having like this constant pleasant life that's like not varied at all or anything like that. And so – and so we at like one in 10 people in the U S is on some kind of antidepressant and it's that disgusts me and terrifies me because it's turning people in like it's people feel like there's something wrong with them. If they're having a melancholic day, you know, and, and so much beautiful art comes out of emotion. So many genius ideas come out of emotion. Like Steve jobs. Imagine if Steve jobs, like we could not be talking on this Mac right now if he was on antidepressants because he, like, his genius came from his extreme emotions. So, so uh, I would advocate learning to use emotions setting yourself up to be like, I want to do everything I can to be biologically stable. But if I'm like angry or if I am, uh, you know, melancholic or anything, I, I want to use those emotions, um, not run from them. And, and I also, I, I think it's important to look at happiness researchers, like look at talk people that like study happiness. The, the people who know most about happiness are le are the least happy. And, and look at like through human history, humans were, were probably like more happy, if not as happy as they are now, before we knew half the shit we know about happiness now. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where if you're a human, you know what it is to be human. You don't need a scientist to tell you. You have your emotions just like, yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna to be happy if you, if you do interesting things and if you focus on stuff you like. Well, the, so. the, kind of just to go on that happiness aspect one little bit before we wrap up, um, there, there's no way for you to tell what is happiness if there's not bad days. 
everything yeah. is defined by its opposite. If you if you have these great days all the time, all of a sudden those are just your normal days. Your you know Kyle and and all four of us, our normal day is a fucking fantastic day. <laughs> For people like you know a lot of the world a lot of the world would consider our normal day to be absolutely amazing and if if you don't have that kind of definition from one to the other then it's very difficult for you to ever see what is good and, and so yeah Definitely and uh, great uh, okay a corollary i know i know it's probably going over but, no, but no, I, cool. this is this is huge because a corollary to the happiness thing that might be not obvious is uh the passion thing um, people, there, like this whole industry around like being passionate about your career, is is throwing people into existential crises like nothing ever before. Um, like, uh, I love the work I do. I'm fi- I'm in a place where I, you know, doing my work every day is my favorite thing to do. But that does not mean at all that I'm s- sitting there like saying, "Oh God, I'm passionate about this." I really feel like this is meaningful. No, man, I'm in the flow and I just have this, I have this like, yeah. So, so get really like, it's better to get really good at something. And this is uh, Cal Newport. So good. They can't ignore you is the book um, that, that is promoting this idea. And I think it's a really good fight because there's an army of people making a living, making people feel crappy about not being passionate about their work. But a really, a better tactic is get really good at something and then you'll you'll find yourself in the flow, and you'll find meaning there. Um, stuff like Great that. answers! Wow, really good, really good. I was just wondering if you guys. I mean, you mentioned a book there. I was just wondering, what, what have you had any sort of books that have been sort of life changing for you that you'd like to share with others? Yeah, I think I'm gonna probably steal Kyle's thunder with this no. one because because Kyle and I we both ping each other in terms of books a lot. So I'll take one, and he'll take the other. Um, the War of Art. By Stephen Pressfield, all-time, all-time favorite book. It's got to be in at least in my top two or top three. It's probably one of the few books where I can, uh, at any time, just go back and start rereading it. It's a very quick read. It's a very, um, it's a it's a read that you can use at any time. It's really like a pick me up. Yeah, it's like yeah. a it's like a it's like a long-term sustainable. Uh, shot of adrenaline <laughs> actually like you were talking about earlier you know feeling that you can't approach certain people to do interviews with like this is the book you pick up and open to a random page and you'll have the confidence or at least the courage to uh call the person um you're gonna have to dig out you, from under my bed <laughs> any, anytime you you have an excuse not to do something for any creative person especially that book is amazingly powerful cool and Carl, you, have you got books? I, I have a problem with books. Like, me too. So, so um, let me get okay, – I hate doing this, but let me at least give you two um, because let me, <laughs> I think it's important to uh, – yeah. I get, okay, so Ralph Waldo self-reliance, Ralph Waldo Emerson self-reliance. Um, for anybody who feels that they, they don't respect their life, I think that is the most – important book to bring you back to center and live from like a place of actually being you instead of trying to be things outside of you. Other than that, I think the most important philosophical idea that is actually, it's affecting the business world. It's affecting uh, the, the 
economics around the world, and it's affecting the way we, we're living. Um, and it's actually a big part of like um, the, it, it's affecting science, all, all sorts of stuff. Is uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb's Anti Fragile? That's his newest book. The, his whole series is amazing. But that book, other than it's him and Nietzsche are the only two people who have ever taken my brain and broken it completely apart <laughs> and made me made me see the world in a completely different light. Um, and, and, and because it, it, if you want to be more effective, if you want to think better, if you want to be more brave in, in, in a world that you can't really understand at all, this book is, is the single best book for that. Um, yeah. So, so it's anti-fragile by, uh, Nassim Taleb. Cool. It's, it's crazy. It's, it sounds like it's too good to be true and that I'm exaggerating <laughs> like widespread effect of this book. But if you look at, uh, everybody knows the lean startup, Eric Reese's the lean mm-hmm. startup. Yeah. And that's just, that idea is basically applied anti-fragility. Um, and we were talking today about uh, cold showers. That is applied anti-fragility. So um, this book is the lens that is creating these uh, these these powerful ways of being in the world and tactics. So um, I think it's a really strong foundation to discover your own um, tactics like that. Well, you convinced me. I'm going to order it after this. <laughs> so, um, if you guys would like to just share with the audience um, how they can get in touch with either of you. Yeah, sure. Um, you can email me at mons at com or just tweet me at thehackedmind. Um, and Kyle? Yeah, I'm not even supposed to be here. So thanks uh, <laughs> for inviting me on with these guys, and thanks thanks for having me. Sorry if I you know uh, took up too much time or anything. No, no, it's cool. It's guys, great, man. You guys got me so excited. But um, <laughs> startupbros.com. If you want to email me, feel free. I love talking to people. Kyle at startupbros.com. Wicked. Well, um, thanks again for for doing this podcast with us. Anyway, it's been a great chat, and I've got some good good stuff out of it. I think I'm definitely. Quietly go nodding it. along to everything you're saying, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I've definitely got some good stuff, and I think I'm definitely going to do a bit of an information detox as of next week. Yeah. <laughs> or this Yo, week, even. Uh, it's Monday. <laughs> nice, man. Uh, please, please email me and let me know how that goes. Um, yeah, I, I, I love hearing about that. Definitely. Cool, man. Well, um, you enjoy the rest of your day, you guys, and hopefully we'll speak again to you guys soon. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely have, to have you on again soon. All right, Wicked. take care, guys. Take care, man. Bye. Thanks. So, that was Marns Denton and Kyle Eschenroder. Great interview, I've got to say. I loved it. Really, really good. It was good fun. And very, as we were saying um, earlier, very much looking forward to listening back to this just in our own time. Because I think there's a lot of a lot of golden nuggets in there. And because I was pretty much hanging from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to mention that on the podcast. No, but um, Although you have just mentioned it now. Oh, so. yeah, true. Gem, guilty of partying too hard there you go (laughs) Um, as always um, if you kind of kind of, why am I saying kind of if you do love what you're hearing please let the world know (laughs) let them know, get it out there, via iTunes don't hold it in, don't hold it in 
just let it all out. Just tell iTunes just how much you love what you're hearing. Express it through five stars. Yeah, that'd be great. We are already a five-star podcast. We'd love to stay that way. (laughs) Um, So yeah, just express it with five stars. Leave a little comment. We'd love you forever. Um, Or, you know, spread the word via Twitter or Facebook or any other social media platform. There's about 10 billion of them these days, so no reason not to. (laughs) (laughs) No shameless plug in there at all. No, not at all. We don't do that on the Powerful Nuns podcast. No, we would never do such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also, if you've you've got anything that you want us to talk about or if you've got any feedback uh, from... Uh, the interviews or any of our other shows or anything at all that you'd just like us to talk about, then just uh, send us an email. You can email me at wayne at powerfulnonsense.com Or you can email me at gem at powerfulnonsense.com and that's gem spelled C-E-M. And if you are a Twitter user, a Twitterer, a, Twitterer. a tweeter, a tweep, Not a twit. A... <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, um, then you can tweet us. Tweet us. <laughs> tweet us. <laughs> how, how can they tweet you, <laughs> you Mr. Ingram? Tweet me at Wayne underscore Ingram. And you can tweet me. <laughs> oh, now you're going to be explicit. Oh, damn. You can tweet me. <laughs> well, at, we'll bleep that out. At C-K-Y-I-L-D-I-Z. <laughs> um, yes. Are we breaking down the podcast into segments and the top points and also putting a list of the uh books that was mentioned in the episode so check that out on powerfulnonsense.com yes and uh yeah we'll be back soon we will catch you next time goodbye toodles toodles